Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm right there. We're, we're, we're going to get started. <laughs> Welcome to the Interloop Radio and our special quarantine inspiration series. I'm Jose Padua. These short episodes are here to provide you with inspiration and comfort in a challenging time in all of our lives. Maybe writing doesn't feel important to you right now. Maybe you're busier than ever juggling childcare and work, self-care and survival, or maybe it's just too hard to concentrate on anything creative. We're here to help, or at least give you a break. So turn the screen off on your phone, quiet your mind, and take a deep breath or several. Follow me on a creative journey. So many mornings as of late, my mind is filled with thoughts of death and doom. They're the sort of mornings that drove Joseph Mitchell, who was but one of many similarly dispositioned writers, to wake up early and head to the Fulton Fish Market in order to lift his spirits. Yes, the fish market that used to be down near the lower tip of Manhattan, with its wafting scents of flounder, tuna, shrimp, and other seafood delights, was what did it for him. But maybe Joseph Mitchell isn't the best writer to bring up if you're looking for the sort of inspiration that will get your own work moving along splendidly. After all, Mitchell spent the last thirty or so years of his career with The New Yorker, showing up at the office without ever turning in another completed story. Still, I try as much as I am able to focus on the positive things, and Joseph Mitchell, despite that dry spell at the end, is very much a source of inspiration for me. Many days I think of him before I start writing. However, lacking anything like the Fulton Fish Market nearby to help drive off the spleen, I go into the kitchen in the morning and check the sink for dirty dishes. I work at home, as do a lot of us lately, though I've been working at home now for the past 13 years. Nowadays, with the pandemic, my wife is working at home too, and my kids are here as well, doing school online. They usually wake up a little earlier than me, and by the time I've made my way to the kitchen, my wife and teenage daughter have had their coffee, and my nine-year-old son has had his cereal or pancakes or whatever my wife can manage to get him to eat for breakfast. What gets me into the kitchen after them is my obsessive-compulsive need to rid the sink of dirty dishes before I can retrieve a clean coffee cup. As I wash the morning dishes, my mind begins to open up. It begins to take me places. One recent morning I wondered what my poet's friends' names would be if they weren't poets but professional wrestlers instead. Then, another day, as I wiped the residue of eggs off of a frying pan, I thought about Franz Kafka especially his classic novella, The Metamorphosis, in which the protagonist, Gregor Samsa, wakes up one morning to find himself transformed into a giant insect. I continued with this line of thought, wondering how Samsa might have found himself transformed in this manner when an invention and the opening of a poem came to me. You can try this yourself, using the opening of Kafka's Metamorphosis or any other story or novel that moves you, it can be something as specific as someone turning into an insect, 
or something as general as it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, which famously opens Dickens's The Tale of Two Cities. Me, I usually go for something specific and employed the Kafka scene in composing a poem that fit in with the series of sonnets I've been working on this summer. All I had to do was twist the concept a bit, which is what my mind inevitably does, and let it take off, blending in with both what's going on in the world now and the various concepts I'd been bouncing around in my series of sonnets. Pretty soon I had a poem titled Fruit of the Loom Billy Contemplates a Glorious Summertime, which goes like this. In the 90s, I began marketing my Kafka mattress. Sleep on it a few nights, and one morning, you wake up transformed into a giant cockroach, or a vermin, depending on what translation you read when you were in school and studying German language literature. It was a hit, and man, was I living all the babes and booze, and I no longer had to share my timeshare in Myrtle Beach. It was all mine. Once in a while, I'd pass a giant insect on the sand, and he'd wave his antenna at me, or nudge me with the edge of his compound eye. But now they want to tax me to death, transform my wealth into the size of a squashed fly. That ain't the America I know, where obscene profit and the skill to turn existential dread into reality made it the greatest nation on earth. Oh well, time to move my corporate headquarters to Luxembourg or at least Delaware. As with the speaker in many of my poems, Fruit of the Loom Billy isn't exactly a saint. I find saintliness to be a dull quality for the speaker of a poem to possess. In most of my poems, there's something wrong with the speaker, especially in those poems where the speaker is pretty much myself. I'm usually happiest when my writing isn't the least bit solemn in tone. This isn't to say that I don't on occasion come up with work that's wholly earnest and serious, but I do prefer to approach most topics with at least a bit of a comic angle. For me, it's a way of taking the reader to several places at once. Of course, some writers might not want to do that, but that's the thing with writing or any other art you find yourself involved with. There isn't any one way to do it, and there isn't any one direction where you should take it. I tend to avoid anyone who tells me otherwise. Of course, with our efforts to quarantine, we're avoiding practically everyone as of late. When this all began, I wasn't getting much writing done, and it was hard to read as well. But I always eventually do get back to it again. I do think it's what I do best, and so, when I'm not writing, I tend to think I'm being a bit of an existential slob. Not that I've never had periods when I didn't write. From about 2000 to 2007, I hardly wrote at all. I'd quit smoking. I was a chain smoker when I wrote before then, much as I was when I went to a bar. When I ceased to be a smoker, I ceased going to bars, and, for a while, I ceased being a writer as well. But then, in 2007, I was laid off from my day job, so my family and I moved out to the Shenandoah Valley, where the cost of living was considerably cheaper. What we didn't realize was that along with the decreased cost of living was a culture that was rather at odds with us both socially and politically, to put it politely. What happened to us probably isn't all that surprising when you think about it. We weren't about to start putting Confederate flag decals on our car or listening to Rush Limbaugh every day. We discovered on moving out there that you could tune into his show on seven different radio stations. Instead, we became much more of what we already were. My wife, who had never stopped writing, started writing even more and even began working on a novel, something she'd never attempted previously. 
As for me, I started writing furiously. I probably wrote a couple of hundred poems in just the first few years we lived in the Shenandoah Valley, and I started writing nonfiction and memoir as well. And so, in the midst of a world that was quite strange to us, our art thrived. Similarly, when the pandemic began with all the quarantines and shutdowns that went along with it, I didn't get much done at first. But after getting our bearings again, my wife and I are getting work done. We may not be getting it done as quickly as when we first moved out to the valley, but we are getting it done. I'm willing to bet that in these strange days, we're not the only ones who've been moved to work harder. That we're not the only ones who are willing to defy the odds, disease, distress, catastrophe, and whatever else may be in store for us. That we're not the only ones who are confident that our ideas, our actions, which manifest themselves in the power of the written word, need to be out there. That what we do as writers does indeed matter. That's our show. Join us every Friday for more writing tips, inspiration, and prompts. To find out more about us, visit us at theinnerlooplit.org. And when you turn your screen back on, don't forget to hit that subscribe button next to our name. I'm Jose Padua for The Inner Loop Radio. Right on. Mm-hmm.